0: Open your Bibles with me to First Corinthians chapter twelve. First Corinthians chapter twelve verses fifteen to thirty one. First Corinthians chapter twelve verses fifteen to thirty-one. We're moving quite swiftly through Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And last week we began a miniature series within this book, a mini series on 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. It's a section in Paul's letter. It's a unit of thought. And if not careful, it's very simple, very easy for us to think wrongly that this whole section on 12, 13, and 14 is all about spiritual gifts. That's where a ton of Christians go terribly wrong thinking that this is all about spiritual gifts. This section is about love. It's about Christian love exercised in the church. Spiritual gifts is a way that God has endowed his people to show the love of God to one another, And thereby, as we love one another, the world sees that Jesus Christ is who Jesus Christ said he what really is. But we love one another. And as we love one another, we serve one another. We serve one another in love, as scripture says. And as we serve one another in love, guess what we discover about ourselves? That God has miraculously endowed us with abilities of sorts to love one another in special ways. Growing up, for example, I didn't plan to talk about this, but it's just helpful to realize that we're not talking simply about personality traits or talents. We're not talking about that at all. In fact, growing up, I was anything but a teacher and preacher. I never had experience teaching other people. I wasn't a good student, much less a good teacher. I had no idea that God had gifted me as a teacher until an opportunity arose to teach. I was thrust into that and I taught. And people said, you should do that again. And I said, I I think I will. And so you you serve people. You you serve where there's need and people begin to share to you or share with you. Hey, when when you encourage, I get really encouraged. Man, you've just got such a gift of of giving. You're so generous, you're so thoughtful. You're you're always looking for ways to give or my goodness, when I'm when I'm struggling, when I'm when I'm hurting, you're the person that I I love to get a call from, you're so compassionate, you're so merciful, and man, when we when we put together that service project, you told everywhere everyone what to do, you were so organized, you knew exactly how to implement things, or when you explain the word, you just have this grasp of deep theological truths that you put them so simply for me, and I understand, you're going to hear this kind of language, and as you serve one another in love, the Lord's going to reveal, he doesn't want you confused about this. He doesn't want you in the dark about this. He wants us to know how he has particularly equipped us to love one another practically. He's going to make that known. Now, if you don't know where to use your giftedness, if you don't know what your giftedness is, I would suggest to you that it's likely because you've been disconnected from your local church body. You're disconnected relationally. You don't know people well. People don't know you well. You're not jumping at opportunities to serve. This is not a criticism. I don't want you to feel bad about yourself. My point is is this. If you draw close, if, if you're getting near to people, if you're looking for opportunities to serve, and, and really quickly, if you've got two eyes and two ears, there are loads of opportunities at this church for you to plug in and to serve. If you just served in children's ministry alone, I guarantee you, you would discover what your spiritual gifts are. Give it enough time. We need a lot of summer leaders for our children's ministry, I just heard today. Dorothy's looking for a lot of help in that regard, and I encourage you that if you're not currently serving in our local church family, that be something you do this week. Call the front office, say, hey, Pastor Sam said that we need help in children's ministry this summer, and I'd, I'd lo- that's a need, I'm a warm body, I can do that. I love the Lord, I love kids, I could serve in that way. I encourage you to reach out. Go find someone who, who needs help, who needs encouragement, who needs instruction, who needs compassion, who needs leadership, who needs something. By the way, have you noticed that we're all called to do all the spiritual gifts? All of us are called to preach the gospel. All of us are called to teach people the Bible. All of us are called to lead in some capacity. All of us are called to give. All of us are called to serve. All of us are called to show mercy. The gifts are unique in this way. Those who are particularly gifted with one of those abilities, those supernatural abilities, are gifted by God to do it in such a way that the rest of us go, ah, that's how you do that. But we're all supposed to do it. We're modeling to one another how all of us are to be behaving. I hope that is clear enough for us. Now, mistaking this section on chapter 12, 13, and 14 as this mystical portion of the letter is to fall prey to the Corinthians' disease. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 remind us as the church that we are first and foremost the body of Christ. Christ. The actual body of Christ. Christ, by the Holy Spirit inhabits us as his body here on earth. He's in a real body in heaven. He's our head in heaven. We are his body here on earth. And it's a unique New Testament image. It's a powerful new image in scripture of how Jesus Christ, the God-man, relates to his people. Every one of us is critical, just like every body part in our body is critical. We'd be very sad to lose one of our body parts. Three points tonight that play this out. Number one, none of us is inferior or superior. Verses 15 to 21. Number two, each of us is essential. Verses 22 to 26. And thirdly, all of us belong to one another as members of Christ's body. Verses 27 to the end. None of us is inferior or superior. Each of us is essential. All of us belong to one another. First, none of us is inferior or superior. Join me in chapter 12, verse 15 and following. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason, any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason, any the less a part of the body. You hear how the foot, how the ear are feeling? Paul's just using them as examples. There's nothing naturally inferior about the foot or the ear, but do you hear how they're feeling? How are they feeling here? And Paul is typifying how some of us feel. How all of us feel at times. How some of us might be feeling this very night. How are they feeling? What's their error? What are they believing that is not true? The insecure foot is coveting the hand's activity. And the shy ear is jealous of the eye's ability to see. How do they feel? Inferior. They're feeling inferior. Now, what lie are they believing? I'm less important to the body. I'm less important. Now, why is that silly to think? What will the hand never do that the foot always does? does not stop doing. Walk, run, stand, kick, jump, bear the weight of the entire body? Is the foot unimportant? Injured feet mean that the entire body is incapacitated? How can a foot, thinking truth, Look at the hand and say, oh, we'd be better off if feet were hands as well. Now, what will eyes do that the ears, or what will eyes never do that the ears always do? Hear unseen danger, listen to sermons and symphonies, heed a command, Understand a grieving friend? Share in good news over a phone call? Without ears, the body is deaf, boring, and defenseless. Isn't it a shame that all of us have at some point, and many of us might be this very evening, coveting, Wasting time coveting one another instead of loving one another. Verses 17 to 18 If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has appointed the members, the body parts. Each one of them in the body, just as he desired. Just as who desired? Do you understand? If you're born again, bought with the blood, spirit indwelled, body part of Christ, you are exactly what God desires you to be. Exactly what he desires you to be. And to be dissatisfied with your gift is to be dissatisfied with God. Make no mistake about this. Now, why did he desire this? Why did he desire it this way? That we be different functioning parts of one body, diverse in unity. Can, really quickly, so we get the imagery, can my index finger remain gifted and useful if you take some pruning shears and cut it off, separate it from the body? You've got to be a part of the body, actively engaged in the body. You've got to be animated by the body and all the body parts are animated by the head christ jesus which we'll get to at the end of this evening god desires it this way because we love each other when we value this now don't don't you hear what we talked about with the foot and the ear don't you hear about them and love so much more the foot and the ear Be good for us to to sit and think about all the ways that God has gifted people in the church. I think about how dependent we are on someone to run back there, Jake, serving us tonight, running the, the sound and the slides. We're served so greatly by that we're so served so greatly by those who who with a smile are helping us find our name tags so that we know one another and we're not embarrassed that when we go up to that person for the fifth time that we have to say oh what's your name again we're being served in love by people with their various gifts my friends what way are you serving here on tuesday nights i would encourage you very strongly tonight To not leave without something to do that serves one another on these Tuesday evenings. And as we do this, this group is going to be a healthy, growing microcosm of the body here at Trinity Community Church. How are you serving? What does not get done if you are not here? Can we imagine if All had the gift of mercy. We'd be a pathetic bunch, wouldn't we? No one else was gifted in any other way. Can you imagine if we were a church comprised only of leaders? What a mess that would be. Isn't it ironic that if we were all gifted with leadership, we would be a mess? You'd think it's the opposite. We'd be really well organized, but everyone would be attempting to lead. How about everyone was givers? Can you imagine a church comprised only of preachers? God forbid. Oh my goodness. We'd never hear the end of anything. Brothers and sisters, God desires you to be the way you are. He's uniquely gifted you with a combination gift. No two preachers are the same. No two givers are the same. No two leaders are the same. We are uniquely, uniquely gifted in the way that we're gifted. Ask God to show you why as you just look to serve. Don't... Don't be preoccupied with what's my gift. Don't be paralyzed by what's my gift. Just serve. Love one another. Serve one another. And God will make it quite plain. Quite plain indeed. Verse 19. And if they were all one member, one body part, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have No need of you. Or again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. You see, Paul addressed first a sense of inferiority, which is just pride. I wish I was that because I want to be great. And I don't feel great. Now he's addressing a sense of superiority, which is pride. I don't need you because I'm great that's the sense that's being communicated here why is superiority why is a, a sense of self-importance so very improper because none of us can say none of us can say that we have no need of any other person in the church i want to i want us to think about something piercingly convicting it convi- it it cut me to shreds as I looked at God's word, I want you to think of the person you have found the most useless and preach this down into the very caverns of your heart. I need them. Who's the brother or sister in Christ that has gotten on your nerves that you find really difficult or really frustrating and I want you to preach this down into your heart. I need, I really need them. I'm worse off without them. I'm better off with them operating in my life. That is a good one for you guys to discuss in small groups, isn't it? By the way, I don't want you to discuss that in a way where you're like, oh, well, Megan is the one that came to my mind. She's useless. Zach. Yeah, he really, pray for me guys. Zach. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. But it would be good for us to think of these things. Second point. Each of us is essential. Each of us is essential. Verses 22 to 26. On the contrary, how much more is it that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary And those members of the body, which we think as less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no such need. We think that the imagery that Paul is using here is probably the internal organs. So far, he's been talking about the external body parts. Probably what Paul has in mind here is the external organs, maybe even sexual organs that properly must be covered. All body parts are vitally critical, even if less visible. The eyes, the ears, hands feet, can all forget about unseen organs hidden behind skin and bone or cloth. Celiac's disease makes me often wonder if I'd be better off without a stomach at all. I mean, sometimes I'm feeling so crummy, I think, you know what, let's just rip out the whole digestive system, I would be better off, right? Would I be better off without my diseased digestive system no even at its worst I need it to live why do we think of certain organs only when they're failing to perform as we want them to perform I can think of many people here in this church we only think about what they do when something goes wrong a thankless job and I don't, maybe God just knows I'm fragile or something. But by his grace, I have a very thankful job. I get a lot of people telling me how they're thankful for what happens through my giftedness. But I think about a guy like Nathan Belknap. And he hears, hey, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And I think of him as these vital internal organs that we would die you could live without a tongue cut Sam Musgrave off where a dime a dozen the tongue will wiggle on the ground and die and the body keeps living but you take out the liver you're dead at least i think you are right you can't live without a liver that's why they call it a liver right How often, that that wasn't a joke actually, I think that's probably why they call it a liver. How often do you thank God for your lungs, for your heart, for your intestines? Do you wake up in the morning, God thank you for these growling intestines, for these breathing lungs, for this beating heart? How often do we thank those who serve us not often or ever Scene. We should make this a discipline. We were just at a conference last week, and I tried as often as possible. We'd go into the restroom, and there'd be guys scrambling to clean up. Man, there's just 4,500 men. And the restrooms were just constantly being used. This is actually like a symphony of toilet flushes when you went in there. And these guys were in there cleaning all the time. And I tried as often as possible. They were walking in. They are just doing their job. They get paid for this. But I said, thank you, gentlemen, for serving us. You're serving us. You're loving us. Thank you. We should be doing this all the time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to you who served tonight. Who served us at the table. Thank you, leaders, who are serving. You're investing in lives for eternity. Thank you to those that do serve in children ministry or youth ministry. Thank you. Thank you. Much of what even I do goes unseen. That's the nature of how we serve one another. It's a wonderful thing how the Lord's wired this. those highly visible body parts, the mouth, they often get thanked, the hands, the eyes, but those who serve in hidden ways often go unthanked and then criticized when things do not go as planned and so we need to be extra careful that we thank them. Verses 24 to 26, but God has so composed the body He so designed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. There's simply no division, no division at all. Now, really quickly, which is more visible? A hand or a heart? I mean the organ of a heart. Which is more visible? Which gets more attention from others? You can answer. Good. Which would you rather lose? Your hand or your heart? Exactly. The less honored part has a more serious role, a more critical role. We have hand models. We don't have heart models. Do we, Jake? (laughs) (laughs) Yet it's the heart that we cherish most. It's the heart we cherish most, not the hands. The church can and must be a mutual admiration society where we all praise God. We all thank God for one another. When the tummy's full and satisfied, what do do the hands do? They happily rub it, right? When one part rejoices, the other parts rejoice with it. When the stomach growls with stum- with hunger pains, what do the hands do? Oh, suffer with it. You see this, the, the unity of the body. We should, uh, we should be so empathetic to one another as body parts. Why? 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 Our final point. All of us belong together. All of us belong to one another. You, each, I could point at each individual in this room, those who are in Christ, and I can say you belong to me and I belong to you. Now, verse 27 to the end, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. You, plural, are Christ's body. You, by yourself, are not Christ's body. You, together, are Christ's body. Individually, you are a member of it. But we together are the body and not by ourselves. He's the head. Christ is the head. We are his body. Without him, there's no life in the body. That's why beheading is a popular method of execution. That's why Satan is the great beheader. He wants to demonstrate that dismemberment. He is the severer. He is the cutter. He is the divider. That's what devil means, diabolos. He wants to cut through the head and the body. He wants to cut through the body parts. He wants to separate. God unifies. They are diametrically opposed to one another. To whatever extent you feel separation from the body, to whatever extent you feel a desire to separate from the body, is the extent to which your flesh is operating in league with Satan. That's not surprising, the flesh is dead. But the Spirit's alive. And let me tell you this. It's not mandatory that people come to college and young adult group. As a matter of fact, you're going to hear me often saying, I would much rather you be, if you have to choose, I'd much rather you be attending sister to sister or brother to brother and be serving in some way in the church if that meant I can't do college group. Great. I want you involved in the body. But all of us in this room know men and women who've been here, who've been a part of us and are not connected to the body in meaningful ways. And they've been drifting. Busyness of life, the cares of life, job, school, relationships, have dragged them away. And let me tell you something. If you're hearing anything tonight about the importance of the body of Christ, I want you to take very seriously in small group time and this week writing down names of people that you've seen here. And contacting them. Hey, how have you been doing? How can I pray for you? Can we get some coffee? Want to spend some time in the Word? College group, you can come. Not, but we miss you. We'd like to see you. That's not something that just the leaders ought to be doing. That's something that every body part in here ought to be doing. Loving one another. As those names come to your mind, write them down. Reach out to them. We miss you, body parts. Without Christ, the head, we've got no life in the body. We've got no direction in the body. No coordination in the body. No meaning in the body. No nothing. No anything at all. We are either in Christ and part of his body, or we are outside Christ and ultimately nothing at all. It's one or the other. In Christ, each has a crucial role to play. Verse 28. And God, God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Let me briefly explain that. Apostles come first in time. Jesus' 12 disciples whom he sent as ambassadors to plant churches. There are a few others, Paul, Timothy, Titus, but they are a special class. They were those that were directly commissioned by Christ, and they are no longer. There are no apostles today. The apostles come first in time to plant those churches around the Mediterranean, then they passed the baton to prophets. Yes, New Testament prophets. Prophets came second after apostles, through whom, through prophets, Christ provided revelation as the Bible was being built in those first decades of the church's existence. Third, came teachers to teach the Old Testament scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, to preach Christ from the Old Testament, as Christ was completing the canon of the New Testament. This is just plain and simple reality how Christ built his church. And teachers, shepherd teachers, carried the baton from then until today. Now, let's read the final verses as one unit. Verse 28 to 31. Then, after teachers, miracles. Then, gifts of healing. Helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? What's the answer to that question? It's what we call a rhetorical question. Expecting a negative answer. No. My dad would often say, do I look stupid? And it was very wise to answer, no, you don't. You don't look stupid, Dad. Are all apostles? No. As a matter of fact, let's say it together. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Are, that's so lame, guys, come on. Are all, do all have gifts of healings? A little bit better. Do all speak with tongues? No. Say it again. No. Because there's a lot of Christians out there who say that you, if you're a real born again Christian, you got to speak in tongues. And Paul said, no. Not all Christians speak with tongues. Do all translate? No. But. You earnestly desire the greater gifts and I will yet show you a more excellent way. Notice something. Look at verse 28. What do all those gifts do in verse 28? All of them support the ministry of the word. All the gifts are ultimately aiming at the broadcasting of the word of God. Miracles and healings show the word's power. Helps and administration spread the word's scope. Tongues translate its truth into other languages. Now, not all have any one of those singular gifts. They're manifest. They're diverse. They're various. And Paul ends, and I'm going to translate this a little bit for us continue to be viciously focused on the greatest gifts. In other words, they thought they were. The Corinthians were showboats. The Corinthians are struggling looking like people on TBN. The Corinthians are imitating that showboaty stuff. Things that are demonstrative, that that impress people, that get people to pay a lot of money. They thought that they were mainly concerned with the greatest gifts. Paul says, I'm not saying be less concerned over which are the greatest. I'm telling you which of them are the greatest. You get that? I don't want you to stop being concerned over which gifts are the greatest, but you're all messed up over this. I'm going to tell you what is the greatest. And what is the best work of the Holy Spirit? Is it any one of the spiritual gifts? No. Galatians 5, to 26. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Before all else. It's what? Love. Now those who belong to Christ. Jesus. Crucified the flesh. With its passions and desires. If we live by the spirit. Let us also walk in step with the spirit. Let us not become those. With vain glory. Challenging one another. Envying one another. You see? Paul was talking about the same thing to the Galatians. Love one another. Stop worrying about your glory. Stop coveting one another. You're destroying one another. You're challenging one another. Love one another. You're not behaving in the spirit when you're showing off. That's the flesh. No matter how good it feels. That, that's the crazy thing, you guys. I, I don't want to take aim too strongly because I don't want to hurt you. I want to woo you. The Bible wants to woo you. Christ wants to woo you. I don't want to push you away. But I'm telling you right now that I guarantee a lot of people in this room, including me at various times in my life, have been heavily influenced by a lot of people claiming to be influenced under the Spirit who are really acting out in carnality. And they think that because it feels good, because it stirs their emotions, that that's the Holy Spirit of God. And that's more descriptive of demonic behavior than spiritual behavior in scripture. You need to be careful. Judas Iscariot was gifted. He prophesied. He exercised demons. He performed miracles. He would have been on TBN. And Judas is in hell. Why? Why? Because he sought what appears greatest, not what loves greatest. How how does Paul sign off in this letter? It tells us everything. Look at the end of this letter, chapter 16, verses 21 and following. He takes up the pen in his own hand. He's been dictating. He's been speaking aloud the contents of this letter. Someone else has been writing it. He says, the greeting is in my own hand. What is so important that he writes in his own hand? He says, Paul, if anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. Wow. You picked up the pen to write that? That? Yep, it's that important. Because Corinth is home to a Judas or two. And they had better repent and begin to love people. Love the Lord and his people. Chapter 13, verse 13 and to 14, verse 1. But now abide, now remain, now thrive and live. Faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Why? Verse 3 of chapter 14, one who prophesies, who speaks for God, speaks to men for edification and exhortation and encouragement. It's a loving gift. It's a gift of love. Love turns self-glorifying into self-giving. So that even the most demonstrative gifts, even prophesying, is aimed at love. The aim of our instruction is love from a pure heart. Love, love, love. Love, serving in love, giving in love, leading in love, preaching in love, teaching in love. Other ones in love, all of them in love. And what is chapter 13 all about? Oh. This makes sense, doesn't it? It's read at weddings. It's for us every single day of our life. You could be the most gifted among us, yet if it's not motivated by love for the Lord and love for one another, it is just beating on a symbol. You're a hollow jar resonating, empty. you know, it's often been said that soft preaching produces hard hearts and hard preaching produces soft hearts. I believe that's true. I hope that you hear as, as I, I speak convicted of what, 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 this, what this is saying and I hope you just see it's plainly what it's saying. That our hearts are softened by the word of God, tenderized by the spirit of God, shaped into his image. And that we just want to love one another like Christ would love one another. Give like he would give. Lead like he would lead. Teach like he would teach. Just love one another. And if that's where we're at, wanting his fame and aiming at one another's benefit, that world out there is going to watch us and know that we are Christians by our love. And they'll know that God the Father really sent Jesus Christ, God the Son, to earth to die for sins. And they'll believe that. Father, we ask that you would make us a healthy evangelist, that we would love one another and that the spiritual gifts would just be a Beautiful byproduct. they would just be wonderful, delicious fruit. Give us grace to serve one another in love and give us grace now as we discuss these matters together, that we'd take it seriously, that we'd dig in, that we'd lean in toward one another, encourage one another, and aggressively pursue love together. We pray it for Christ's sake. Amen. Thank you for joining me for this sermon from the Trinity College and Young Adult Ministry. We would love for you to join us in person soon. For up-to-date information, follow our Instagram at trinityc.ya. For information regarding Trinity Community Church, visit trinitycc.com. And if you're interested in a great Bible college here in the area, check out Cal Christian College Until he returns, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you.